0: how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 220 and I spoke with Lisa Mackenberg. She is a hypnotherapy instructor at HMI College. You may recognize her as the Hypno Mom from Bravo or the Steve Harvey show. She does work with kids, adults, people who have suffered trauma. She works Uh, With past life regression therapy, hypnotherapy, uh, future, and multiverse. Really fascinating woman. We talk about the brain and we talk about REM and we talk about hypnostates. She does a visualization hypnotherapy with me on air uh, on this episode. And to that end, I thought it would be fun for everyone to see one of these sessions uh, in real life. And so, My dear friend, Rachel Kais, who has studied under Lisa, uh, she and I did a past life regression therapy session, and it was really great. I recorded it, and we are editing that right now, and it will be up in about a week on my YouTube channel uh, under Official Susan Ruth. (laughs) Not very creative, is it? But whatever. Anyway, yes, it'll be at the Official Susan Ruth YouTube channel. And what's wild is that, from my perspective, while I was under hypnosis, and I for sure got hypnotized, uh, it felt like maybe a half an hour went by. And then when I came out of it and went to turn off the video recorder, an hour and a half had gone by. I could not believe it. Time definitely was different for Rachel during that session than it was for me. Very, very interesting. I put a bunch of links on the links page on heyhumanpodcast.com for this episode, Uh, information about Lisa, information about hypnotherapy and the way the brain works during hypnosis, as well as a video I found. This kid who, from the time he could talk, insisted to his mother that... He was this other person that he had this whole life and he knew family member names. He knew his own name. He knew about a dog he had. He knew about the surroundings. This kid's from Scotland. This was, again, in the 70s. So anyway, it's a very interesting video. I posted that on the links page as well. It's about a 45 minute BBC type thing. Uh, Wow, really fascinating. So I, I recommend checking that out as well. Lisa has recorded a program for the BBC that should be out in about three weeks. This episode airs on July 30th, so three weeks from that. And she told me she would send me info when it comes out so that I can add the info to the links page. Easy for you to find it that way. Lisa has very kindly offered to give a discount to Hey Human listeners for hypnotherapy sessions, either with her or with her uh, uh, graduate students uh, and the people that are trying to get hours and stuff like that. So there's lots of levels of people that can do it. And so she's offered that up and her contact info, again, is on the links page. So that's pretty cool. Thank you, Lisa, for that uh, lovely gift to the listeners. I want to mention again, my dad's second pirate book is out. Uh, He has a series series Margaret, the first one being Margaret, Outrageous Fortune. And the second one just dropped on Amazon and it's called Margaret, Benediction and Blood. Woo, Lady Pirates, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really proud of my dad, it's so cool. Uh, definitely check that out. His, his nom de plume is Martin March. So definitely go look for that on Amazon if you wanna read Margaret's saga. Uh, social media, hey human podcast on Facebook and Instagram. My personal social media is under Susan Ruthism, S U S A N R U T H I S M. You can find that Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and I try to keep all the content for all the different sites different, so that there's not too much duplication going on. The to that end, the Hey Human podcast Instagram, I try and put cool stories from history, the historical figures, uh, and interesting uh, trivia type things on that one. So check that out if you are into that kind of thing. SusanRuth.com for my music and art stuffs. There's also a mailing list that you can sign up on the SusanRuth.com. If you are into music and that sort of thing, you can find me on iTunes under Susan Ruth. I've got four records up there and you definitely check that out. See what you think. Email me, Susan, at HeyHumanPodcast.com. I already mentioned the links page. Rate and review Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Super helpful and I appreciate that very much. And last but not least, uh, there is a Donate button on the heyhumanpodcast.com website right there on that first page. And it helps keep the show ad free and support the show. So if you feel like making a donation to Hey Human, every little bit counts. uh, And I appreciate it. Okay, well, without further ado, I say we get into this. And thank you for listening. Stay safe. uh, Be well and love you. Here we go. Lisa Mackenberg, welcome to Hey Human.
1: I am so happy, Susan, and thank you so much for inviting me here to your wonderful podcast.
0: What would you like to talk about today? With you, I want to talk about all the things, but I know your time is limited, so uh, let's just start quickly on on who you are and what you do in the world at large. It- my
1: name is Lisa Mackenberg, and in this lifetime, I teach up at HMI College of Hypnotherapy. I've been practicing past life regression therapy for just over 700 years now. Uh, I also am a traditional hypnotherapist, also known as the Hypno Mom. And uh, that's from the Steve Harvey Show and from Bravo. And I teach parents how to use self hypnosis to become the parent they've always wanted to be.
0: Is it easier? Somebody once said to me that hypnosis works best on people with open minds and children, I imagine, have the most of the open minds. Is it make it easier to hypnotize kids?
1: Um, children are very easy to hypnotize. However, everybody is easy to hypnotize. If you have a wake sleep cycle, any at all, And as a matter of fact, Susan, I can prove to you uh, that you were um, in hypnosis probably uh, two or three times this week. Want me to prove it? All hypnosis is, is using your mind to change your body. Can I give you an example? Yes, please. Do you know what I have right here with me in my Zoom studio? I have two scoops of Haagen-Dazs vanilla bean. I have drizzled hot chocolate on top and i've tossed a handful of honey roasted almond slivers on top did you feel your mouth start to water absolutely well your whole body got ready to digest and i'm just here in my zoom studio with a glass of water and my hypno cap yeah so merely by using your mind you prepared your entire body to eat have you ever been scared in a movie of course
0: Even though I know know, I'm not in harm's way, my body reacts.
1: You're
0: 100%.
1: Even though there's truly no danger, you're using the theater of your mind to actually put you into fight or
0: flight. And that's a tricky thing, I feel like, too, because our minds don't know how to distinguish from true... Uh, problems versus imaginary problems, which is why when we wake up after having a dream that our lover cheated on us, we are truly pissed off at them, you know, and all that stuff. You are actually in flight or flight. So think about
1: it this way, Susan. If you can use your mind to get you scared, uh, to get you worried, to get you angry, to get you sad when you draw your attention to sad memories or the time that that SOB cheated on you... If you can use your mind to make you scared, sad, and afraid, what else can you use that magnificent mind to
0: do? Now, I noticed when you said uh, that you are, have been a hypnotherapist for 700 years, of course, I don't know how many people listening caught it. I'm sure everyone did. Um, do you do you remember when you were drawn to it, let's just say in this lifetime, when you were drawn to it? Of course. That? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, my husband's a physician. And he was working in the emergency room and he had wonderful discussions with people who have died and lived to tell about it. So he'd bring somebody back from the dead, they grab his hand and say, Doc, you'll never believe where I've been. So from there, he wanted to do continuing education with someone named Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. Both of them have written books, one on near-death experience and one on past lives. That was my first introduction in this lifetime uh, to past life regression and near-death experiences. Uh, But at that time, I was just beginning my hypnotherapy career. That was 1993. And So as I explored it more and more and more, I realized my dreams of being a man, um, being chased and having to hide, uh, that those were not just dreams, uh, that they were little glimpses into my past life. Uh, then as I started to explore it more and more, I was able to access my past lives and to access past lives is very easy. All hypnosis is, Susan, is slowing down the brain waves. Our brain waves, now, you and me, hopefully, we're in what's called a beta state. That means our brain waves are 14 to 40 waves per minute. However, when we slow down to go to sleep, our brain waves slow down and we're able to access other parts of our consciousness. And whether you believe it's past lives or metaphor or imagination or memory, It doesn't matter because we can use these brain states to have a more conscious, more intentional, and more joyous life as sons and daughters of the 21st century.
0: Firstly, I definitely want to have your husband on the show because that sounds amazing. I I always had a sense that there was uh, more than just this, partly and beyond the, the, the depth of religion. Well, Many people
1: say that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience Mm -hmm. and not the other
0: way around. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And uh, may I ask you, did you grow up with a religion? My My father's Jewish. My mom's Episcopalian. And when I was five years old, I started school early in, in England. And uh, when I came home from school in England, they would, uh, in my school, the first thing they would do would uh, pray for the queen's well-being, and then they would do uh, a prayer to to Jesus. And then I came, yeah, and I came home. And uh, the queen went first, which I thought was hilarious. Now, as an adult, but uh, I came home at five, and I said, "Mom, Dad, who who's this Jesus guy?" Because my dad's a scientist, my mom, you know, she's an artist or in a she's also archaeologist, but she was art artist by means of in in the headspace of an artist. And, yes. Um. So they began to teach me, and I was very lucky. And everyone's heard this story before, but, you know, they sat me down and said, these are the major religions. These are the minor religions. This is the pantheon. This, is, you know, this is mythology. This is, they really, at five, they gave me this breadth of knowledge and then said, we can't tell you who to be. It's up to you. But growing up, they encouraged me to go to all the things. So I would go to temple and, you know, I studied Hebrew and Latin. I went Uh to a church, you know, I went to my friends' churches, all that stuff. So I really had this Big space.
1: Well, it's really interesting that if you take a look at our oldest religions, our oldest monotheist religions, which is Zoroastrianism, and I'm here in beautiful Los Angeles, where there's many people in the Persian community who still practice Zoroastrianism, which is one, of, uh, which is the very first monotheistic relation, uh, religion. It predates Judaism. And uh, you take a look at that. I love being in L.A. And then Judaism, Christianity, um, uh, Islam, and all of the Eastern religions, they all have a core that's pretty much identical. Yes. And if you want to go back even further and look at the uh, pantheon of the gods and the goddesses, mm-hmm. the same thing. They have that core of goodness and truth and honesty and integrity. The golden Even wall. though they express it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hey, I have a, here, I have a trivia for you. The golden rule, is that a Christian thing or a Jewish thing? This is, uh, we're doing a little Jeopardy, a religious Jeopardy. What do you think?
0: Well, I would imagine it's it goes back even further than that, but... Ah, very interesting. Because Plato spoke of things like that, so did Aristotle, so... They certainly did when he was in the Lyceum, yeah. which is what, where uh, where Aristotle uh, taught.
1: However, in Christianity, we say, uh, do unto others as they would do unto you, which is a very interesting way of saying what Jews say, the Jewish religion says. Do you know what it is, Susan? Ready? Go for it. Do not do unto others what is hateful, to you so it is not to be proactive it is to avoid um, things that are harmful and if you take a look at these two philosophies side by side they are similar but very very different and i can talk about philosophy of religion i have no mute switch
0: question <laughs> hypnotherapy hypnosis yes. in layman's terms how exactly does it work
1: well, we didn't know until just about uh, 20 years ago. Nobody knew. It was been around forever. And the only reason that we have Homo sapiens sapien as the dominant species and not Neanderthal is because of hypnosis. And I can prove it. If you took a look at Neanderthal in Europe and Homo sapiens sapien in uh, Africa, what were they doing? What were they doing 200,000 years ago? They were all hunting big game in groups. Uh, They were all making intentional fires. They were burying their dead with ceremony, and they were taking care of their sick and injured. Well, why did one survive and one didn't? Hypnosis. Neanderthals, each family group, had its own individual fire, hearth, at night. Homo sapien, sapien, had one fire and the entire clan sat around it. And they talked about what the successful hunt looked like, smelled like, felt like, sounded like. And everybody learned by imagining and visualizing the successful hunt versus the unsuccessful hunt. The women talked about good mushrooms look like butterfly wings on the bottom. Bad mushrooms don't look like that. And as I say, when you turn them over and touch them, they feel like butterfly wings. Didn't you actually feel like you were touching the bottom of a mushroom? That's hypnosis. So because we were all learning from each other what worked and what didn't work, in a clan, that's hypnosis. So hypnosis is being able to replicate something using your mind and feeling it in your body. So we didn't know what this was. We knew it worked. But only 20 years ago when we had a functional MRI, do we know what hypnosis is? Hypnosis is slowing down the brain waves under 14 waves per a second. So we slow them down to about 10, 8, 10, 9, 8, 7. Then you go into a data state. We slow it down to an alpha state. Physically relaxed, mentally alert. And then the blood actually rushes from the frontal lobes to the cerebral cortex, that's the mammalian brain. And if you make a visualization, the blood is mostly in the cerebral cortexes and you are able to have your body react as if you're actually someplace where you're not. So all hypnosis is, is deliberately with intention slowing down the brain waves, activating a visualization or a sense of to change the physical body.
0: When you do your work with regression and yes. uh, helping people to access uh, past lives, or as you say, maybe metaphor, why do you think it is that, A, we don't remember in general you know we remember books we read when we were seven you know what is it about the process of becoming a a new being not a new being but a new being a new uh, putting on a new suit I guess Uh, what's the point in your opinion No,
1: it's a mystery and by the way this is not the first time you've asked that question you asked that question when you sat around one of the first intentional fires You've asked that question for many, many lifetimes. And the crazy thing is, um, one day if you decide to have children or you hang out with little kids who are four and under, just beginning verbal. And you are playing with them and saying, oh, what's your favorite cartoon? Um, do you want to go to the park? Do you like dinosaurs? And then you say, who did you used to be when you were a grown up?
0: The answer. They will answer and they
1: will be very articulate. What did you do? Who's your best friend? Oh, uh huh. What do you and Mary like to do? Who did you used to be when you were the last time you were a grown up? Mm. And you'll get the entire story. I watched a video last
0: night about a boy in Scotland. The video seemed to be from about the 70s, and he remembered from age two, as soon as he really started to talk about this life he led in this tiny little village that his family had never been to. He knew his name. He knew what the house he lived in looked like. He knew details about the town. And so, of course, the first thing Mom and Dad did was take him to a child psychologist because he was so adamant about it. As he It didn't go away. Four and five, he still had these feelings and these remembrances. And then they brought in a past life... Uh, person, and who researches it, and they flew to this tiny little place, uh-huh. and the kid was like, "That's this, that's this." They went to the uh-huh. house that he described. It exists. The name of the the, um, the people in the town ex- that He, the, the name that he used, existed. It was wild and cool. Yeah. Well, the thing that also leads us to
1: believe that there's something, there's some there, there is something called uh, hypnoglossy. Uh, or Xenoglossy, which is um, someone had, I, by the way, I have twins, so I like to research twins. Um, someone had adorable identical twins who had an adorable twin language, and when she took them over to the language lab, they were speaking Aramaic. So, um, and so you know what? There are many things that are Unexplainable, but we don't know. Was this this child's past life? Was it the parent's past life? Was it a passing energy? And then he picks it all up. You cannot prove what it was. So we have to just understand that these things exist in our world and have some curiosity and flexibility about it. Mm-hmm. But always, uh, since I am a past life regression therapist and not a researcher, I always use it and I only use it to make the quality of this life much more intentional and joyous. And by the way, Susan, I don't believe, I love that story in the 70s, um, but when people bring a child to me who's having distress because the child doesn't believe that the parents are the parents and they want to go back home, wherever that is, I do not use hypnosis to find out the past life. Because I think that's unethical because children can't really give consent. Instead, we do art projects. We tell stories, we write it down. We remember everything we can in a full waking state. And then we only use hypnosis to say, what do you think of the the man and the lady who you live with now? What do you think about your home? What do you think about your toys, your friends, your school? your street, so we try to get the child oriented into the joy of the current life, because that's the only way you can have a good life, if you're constantly longing, I don't know if you ever broke up with a boyfriend, oh yeah,
0: have you, there's a pile (laughs) of dead, (laughs)
1: pile of a pile of dead, there's carnage in the past, Um, can you imagine only longing for what was in the past, you could never
0: enjoy the present yeah it'd be very hard no. to, and to live in yeah. the present moment so, so that's it, what I do. the yeah. idea of efficacy that you bring up what, I'm glad you said that because it it was a question I wanted to ask when you were first saying that you teach parents how to do that I assume that the kids that you're teaching parents and kids about hypnosis are of consent age where they they can verbalize and say yeah nope. that's cool so how, nope. where is the efficacy there then Ah, what a good question. So the thing is, think about this way.
1: Ready? How hard is it to change yourself and one of your habits? Easy or hard? It's not easy. Nope. Now think about trying to change somebody else. It's impossible. (laughs) Okay, yep. So when people come in with their kids, the first thing I teach the parents is containment and emotional regulation. Because you can't teach emotional regulation to a kid unless you have it. Your kids will never do what you say, but they'll always do what you do. Well, good advice. Absolutely. Yep. Because I'll tell you, people bring in a child who's morbidly obese and the parents bring the kid and say, fix it. And you know, I sit there and I eyeball the mom and the dad because they want to dump the kid and say, fix the kid. So the kid eats in a way to be healthy, but that's never going to work. So instead, we talk to the parents about parents in charge and how to create an amazing home where everybody is eating for the art of extreme Mm self-care. And what the parents do, the children do. Now, I'll tell you what happens when people bring in children, let's say for ADD or study skills, or let's say a three-year-old who just started uh, preschool but is terrified to use the toilet at preschool. <laughs> that's really common. I, all, all summer, all of July and August, I see the kids who are terrified to use a toilet that's not in their house. So you say, well, that kid can't give consent. That kid is three. But the thing is, so we ask. I sit there and I'll ask. We'll draw pictures. I have a little dollhouse. Um, and say, hey, would you like to be comfortable would you feel your bladder or your bowel and a wonderful, joyous desire to eliminate your waste, which you don't need anymore? Would you like to be able to use any toilet in the entire world, anywhere, ever? And the kid says, yeah. So now we work towards that goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So mostly, a lot of it, most of it, when people bring their children in, a lot of it is teaching the parents how to not let a two-and-a-half-year-old run a household or a 12 and a half year old run a household. That's not healthy. Your kid's smarter than you, but you're wiser. So most of it is teaching parents how to have self-esteem through mastery so they can teach their children because a creative mind is a disciplined mind. And you know that, Susan, if you're very creative. You have this podcast. You have motivation. And you could not be creative unless you were disciplined.
0: Yeah, I get lazy. But yeah, I get it for sure. It, it reminds me of uh, Willy Wonka, the original with the Oompa Loompas and their songs. Yes. That, that a lot yes. of parenting can be boiled down to the Oompa Loompa mastery of, of teaching children. when uh when people in their incarnate now whoever they are have do you find in your work that people bring in the same stuff every time and then once they master that or overcome whatever obstacle or fear then they get to go to the next one and because you work with future self too don't you oh yeah i do past lives future lives
1: lives between lives, and I do something which I call wisdom from the multiverse. You know, you talk to scientists and nobody really knows, but science, quantum physics is showing that we have multiverses. And there's a timeline when you and I met at 11 o'clock. There's a timeline when we decided that we were going to meet at 1215. There's also a timeline where there was a glitch in the technology and we couldn't meet until tomorrow each one creates a new timeline so if that is true and i don't know if it's true but it's a really cool theory you can use hypnosis or altered states of consciousness to have a desired outcome look at all the multiverses choose the one that has the desired outcome go through it and figure out what you need to do now to get there so a lot of the work I do is wisdom from the multiverse. As a matter of fact, how old are you, Susan?
0: Do you mind if I ask? I always say I'm 2,000 years old, at, at probably more. <laughs> well, I'm 700, so I'm younger than you.
1: So let's say that at some point, if you wanted to buy a house in Pacific Palisades or Malibu or Aspen, okay, I don't know. Um, or you wanted to have a lifelong love affair and you want to marry royalty. You want to be, um, you know, a, a, a duchess. So we would just go up to the first, look at all of your lives, find the one with that outcome, have you step into that life, access the memories, and figure out what you have to do today to get there.
0: Interesting. A little different, huh? I love the idea of the multiverse for sure. Uh, but so, in, to, to answer the question I asked a minute ago, do we bring in what is the purpose of, for example? I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. So, let's say someone is afraid of drowning. It turns out yeah. that they drown in a past life. Oh. Uh, why can't that stuff? Reset. It seems to defeat the purpose of evolutionary soul if we keep bringing our BS with us every time.
1: Well, you know, let's think about it, and I wish I knew the answer. But there's such a thing as epigenetics and generational trauma. I agree. Um, your father is Jewish, and the first time nobody even knew what this was called. But there was right after World War Two, the second generation. Um, there was a support group called Second Generation, because why were the children, the grandchildren, and now the great grandchildren of people who? Ancestors experienced the Holocaust or the Armenian um, genocide, or um, now let's get really very, very topical and talk about uh, what's happening with global unrest. Why do we have the children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren having generational trauma? Why can't that just, you know what, you had a crappy life, you dropped dead, that should be the end of it. So the thing is, we don't know if this is epigenetics. We don't know. But we do know that in our DNA, we carry trauma from generation to generation. Wouldn't it be make sense that our soul carries trauma from past lives, going all the way back to the first intentional fire? So,
0: um, it is tricky. Is- it's tricky to me because you know I believe in I believe in the soul. I believe the soul uh, has been incarnate many times. I believe in generational trauma. I believe that this body that I am occupying has the collective trauma and and successes of every every ancestor that came before this body. Now, the question to me where things get sort of hairy is, if we are incarnating into uh, various beings and, and having various experiences, where, where, again, I think of a Venn diagram, where does it connect and intersect this shell and its experiences and that soul and its experiences? Do you, do you get what I'm getting at?
1: Yes, and the answer is never stop asking the question. <laughs> However, I'll tell you the power word or the magic word, awareness. The magic word is awareness. So when you become aware, that there is a Venn diagram, there's an intersect between the soul and the body, and there's some trauma that needs to be released. And then you become aware of where it's showing up. I'm going to quote you back to you, which people hate. Um, Socrates, used the Socratic method, which was asking a lot of questions. That's why they gave him hemlock and he ended up quite dead. Of course. There's a pain in the the neck. Yeah. (laughs) So I'll quote you back to you. Taking a look at past boyfriends, there's a stack of them. So is the trauma showing up in romantic relationships? Is the trauma showing up in sibling relationships? Is the trauma showing up with your relationship to money and abundance and prosperity? Is the trauma showing up in fear or sadness or rage? And so... Although we don't know what the nexus is, we want to become aware of where the trauma is showing up and begin to pinpoint our interventions to where it's showing up in this lifetime. Is it showing up in your health? Right. One of the most useful things
0: I have ever done in terms of relationships with myself and others uh, in terms of uh, past boyfriends, I wrote a list of, my lovers and then I wrote <clears throat> traits that they possessed and I tried to find the overlap of what I was drawn to versus not how I have grown in relationship to them and it was a really great experience for me to, I just I made a, a very specific intention a uh, couple hours to sit down and do this and I learned a lot about them about myself it, it, it coupled it with forgiveness for myself and for them it was great
1: You want to have some fun? Mm. Imagine or visualize. Are you in a
0: relationship now? I am not.
1: Okay. Imagine or visualize, picture, pretend that you have a beautiful niece and that she is four and a half years old, which is just that yummy age. And make a list, Susan, of the top five traits that you want for her husband or wife. What are the top five traits? And then compare the traits that you wish with your whole heart for your beloved niece compared to the last five guys you were with. Interesting. And then I'll give you one more. And this one you can take to the bank with you. Do you have a grandma or an aunt that you really, really love? Did you ever have a grandma? What was her name? Uh, Grandma Sylvia. Okay. I had grandma Lena. Okay. With the very next man you date. Scan everything about him. And if there's anything that would make Grandma Sylvia worry for you, dump his sorry tuchus. Because Grandma Sylvia would worry because he's always kind except for when he drinks. He's perfect, but he's married. Um, He'd be perfect if he didn't have the cocaine problem. Um, He is wonderful, but he lives in Bolivia. So anything that would make Grandma Sylvia, worry for you. You dump his tuchus.
0: Yeah, that's a little tricky when you have a Jewish grandmother though because all they do is worry.
1: <laughs> that's why.
0: That's why. That's why you pick
1: Grandma Sylvia because if, there's, if you're dating a guy and Grandma Sylvia is not worried, this is the man for you because again, you're smarter than Grandma Sylvia but she's wiser than you because she's part of the greatest generation.
0: Amen to that. Uh, let's talk about happiness because before we started the recording, we we the, right now, and you brought it up, uh, the, the world is in turmoil. I would argue the world has always been in turmoil, but finally the light is being shined on the things, and people are stand, they're waking up. I, I think people are are we are coming out of our anesthesia. In in a great way. Now, there have been moments in history, obviously, and this is very familiar to other moments in history. But this is the first time. Having read, obviously, I'm not old enough to have been a part of many of the previous experiences. But having read and listened, mostly listened to people that were there and their feelings about it, this does seem different.
1: Okay, I'll tell you why. Because of the pandemic. Everybody was so busy, we were all hamsters on a wheel. It was crazy and we were numb because we're hamsters on a wheel, got to get on the 405, got to get to work, got to feed the kids, got to spend money, got to make money. And so we were numb, we were just like hamsters on a wheel. And with the pandemic, we had to halt. And when we halted, we had to listen and it was very uncomfortable to listen to see where our priorities were. Money, um, power, domination, um, being obsequious, having to obey the authorities in our life, sex, pornography, um, being a foodie and taking pictures of our food. We suddenly had to look in the mirror and we found out that we didn't like what we saw where our priorities were. So that was a very painful moment, the pandemic, where we had to stop and look and listen. We had to feel our feelings, realize we didn't like our family very much. And now we're stuck with them. And so we woke up, Zen means, or enlightenment, Zen enlightenment means awakening. So the pandemic made us wake up and listen. And then we were forced to make the changes that we were too uncomfortable to make. But with it came great fear and anger and sadness. Oh, the other thing that we were on a hamster wheel is loving our political party and hating the opposition. It's called confirmation bias. If we, if I believe my side is right, I'm only going to pay attention. It's called selective attention. I'm only going to pay attention to the news stories that confirm what I believe. Or even worse, I'm only going to listen to the news station that tells me what I want to hear. And that's for everybody out there. And we were forced to see if our side is right or if great minds can differ. So that is why we woke up that's why everybody had, the whole world, it wasn't just the Spanish flu it was in Spain. Our pandemic is a worldwide pandemic. Everybody from Dubai to Israel to Shanghai to New Zealand, uh, you know, uh, uh, to Helsinki, everybody at the same time had to stop and listen. And so we found out we were angry, sad, and scared. So let me talk about happiness. Any questions about why this is happening now? Doesn't it make sense? Mm, Absolutely. So with this pandemic, you can be scared and sad and angry. It's okay with me. But what if you were a great detective like Sherlock Holmes and you decided to reveal what's been concealed? And you decided to look at the pandemic, look at the unrest, look at the uncertainty and find the opportunity to be a vessel of light in this world, find the lesson and the gift. So you turn yourself into a detective. It's really easy to focus your attention on the things that you have no control over. And then you could just feel sad and hopeless and you can go right into the reptilian brain, which is right here, and you can become reactive and yell at the people that you love, or stuck, paralyzed, sitting there watching Netflix, scrolling through your iPhone. So you could be reactive or stuck. That means you're in the reptilian brain. Or you can go into the mammalian brain and eat lots of sugary, sweet, high carb foods, sit there and just watch TV, um, or take substances, take a lot of cannabis. That means you're in the mammalian brain. You're just doing what worked before. You're the dog who knocks over the uh, the uh, the garbage and chokes on a chicken bone because you're just doing what feels good now. Or you can become a Homo sapiens sapien and go into these big, beautiful frontal lobes that have problem solving, solutions. And so what if I teach your studio audience, your audience for this show, three magic words that will make you happy, three. The first one is awareness. Becoming aware that you are sad, scared, or angry. Putting your hand on your heart. Do it right now, Susan. And breathing in compassion for yourself. Hello, Kitty. I have a hairless cat. I see that. This is Streaker because she runs around naked. Hi, Streaker. What a gorgeous cat. Why, thank you. She was born on Mother's Day. That's how I know she was my cat. So She's beautiful. Um <laughs> So put your hand on your heart and breathe in compassion for yourself and your journey with Grandma Sylvia and mom and dad and all those guys and the things that are going on with you and your history, what a long strange trip it's been, breathe in compassion for yourself. Like your heart has a nose, deep breath in. And merely that deep breath will take you right into the frontal lobes where you have problem solving. From there, your second magic word, your first was awareness. Become aware of those strong emotions, breathe into the heart. That takes you out of an unintentional trance. Any questions about awareness? The second magic word is intention. What you have an intention, when you have an intention, you have an 80% higher chance of following through. And you speak it in the form of a smart goal smart goals specific measurable attainable realistic in the t means always going towards never away from only towards so what's your smart goals is it is it to bring your radio show up to 11 million worldwide i could deal with that yes <laughs> do you have another one That Uh, was the one I picked.
0: Yeah, finish. You get a a veto. Uh, Screenplay, books, all the things that all my creative projects. Okay.
1: And so you make a smart goal measurable. All right. So our second word is intention. And when you write it down, it goes right down into the subconscious mind. And with your intention, I'm going to quote from Mark Twain. He said, "Eat your frogs first, which always just cracks me up. that just cracks me up. He was a he was a wordsmith. Okay. So if you would like to move your radio uh, podcast up to eleven million worldwide, if you would like to get your screenplay, um out your books, in the morning, make the intention. Have a yummy, delicious, nutritious breakfast that fuels you. and then do three. How many? Three? Three action steps towards this intention before lunch. When you do your three things to push push your goal forward, then you can have lunch. When and then. So you set the intention for three action steps that drive your, um, your intention, your agenda forward. Every single day, that's seven days a week. It's all right if you take off Shabbos. It's okay with me. then you have a different intention, like to connect with your soul self or with your grandma Sylvia. Is she still alive? No. Of blessed memory. Yeah. Or to um, make that connection with friends and family. So, intention is our second power word. Our third magic word is the best one. Attention. What you draw your attention to expands... So are you drawing your attention to what's going wrong? Are you drawing your attention to what's going right? Take a look at that uh, uh, confirmation bias. You say, I have lousy luck. Why don't you draw your attention to the good luck that everything's turning out right? Our technology worked this morning. It's a hypno miracle. And so when we draw our attention to what's going right, our attention into what way we're being productive, our attention to how we're using our big, beautiful minds. Are we using our minds to be happy, calm, present, and loving? So you begin to draw your attention to what you're doing right. So here are the things that you have 100% control over. You name one, then I'll name one, then you name one, then I'll name one. And this is the secret of happiness because stress is directly related to feeling disempowered. Take a look, turn on the TV. When you are unempowered, you are stressing. So what is something that you have a hundred percent control over?
0: My action. Go ahead. My action. Okay. Get more specific. Uh, how I behave in the world at large. Fantastic you have so it's how you
1: interact how you show up for the people that you love and how you show up for the stranger and you're dwelling in your midst my turn how you fuel your body for peak performance are you eating in a way that gives you focus concentration and energy Your turn. What else do you have complete control over?
0: What I take into my mind, my learning. I have control over my mind. That's right.
1: Yeah. How about what you choose to do during the zombie apocalypse? (laughs) How about if you're choosing to watch Netflix and binge Breaking Bad or if you're choosing uh, to go on and take some continuing education with something that's live streaming so you're interacting with humankind? How about whether you're watching Netflix or whether you're baking pandemic banana bread, which, by the way, is a requirement. You have to make pandemic bread. It is
0: mandatory. But what are right? the people that, for them, they maybe aren't equipped with the sk- skills of that? Because for some people, oh, this is this is overwhelming. And for them, their self-soothing mechanism is watching Netflix or is smoking pot or whatever.
1: Okay. So welcome to the mammalian brain. The thing is that if you're a homo sapien sapien, that means if you're born with an opposable thumb, then no matter what, you can always, everybody has 100% um, control over what you draw your attention to. So let's say that your coping mechanism is smoking pot and watching Netflix. Why do one when you can do both? Um, um, Then what you can do is become aware that you want to soothe. And then you can ask yourself, Will I, in 20 minutes, will I feel better if I watch another Breaking Bad or if I put on my sneakers and take a 20-minute walk? In 20 minutes, which one will I feel the exalted emotion of pride? So that was the next one. You have complete control over how much you exercise. If you're in a place where you cannot get outside because it's too scary or not safe, then you can put the music on really loud and you can dance in your kitchen. So, how you spend your time, you have 100% control over. And then, how about if you're always using your mind to make you scared? You turn on the news, you want to go hide under the bed.
0: Mm -hmm. If
1: you can use your, worry is the worst use of imagination. Because you can... Get into a what if, what if I go outside, what if I catch a microbe, what if I come home and infect Grandma Sylvia, even though she's dead. Um, You can get all caught up in what if instead of what is, what is I'm safe right now. So if you can use your mind to make you sad, can you also draw your attention to memories, ideas and thoughts that bring you joy and happiness and comfort? So it is realizing, drawing your attention to how miraculous your brain is, but using it to be your your friend and not your enemy. May I teach a fast hypnosis with your permission? Absolutely. Okay, and you don't even have to close your eyes because some people listen to this program in the car. If you're in the car, don't close your eyes. No, no, no. Do you know if you have a problem, Susan, it's probably one of two things, maybe both. Fear and ego. 100%. Fear and ego. So let's play a game. You ready? Mm. Picture your fear and ego. So everybody listening, turn your fear and ego into an animal. The first animal you think of is the right answer and give your animal a name. What animal is your fear and
0: ego? Uh, tiger.
1: What's your tiger's name?
0: Uh, Charles was the first name of Potter.: Charles the
1: tiger. Of course it is. Mine is a St. Bernard puppy who wants to put his muddy paws on your chest and say, love me, love me, love me. That's my fear and ego. Okay. Now you know everything you need to know about me and my family of origin. All right. And yours is a tiger named Charlie. My um, St. Bernard puppy with a, with a muddy paws is named Snookums. Adorable, but really annoying. Okay, so you have a Charles the tiger. Fantastic, good. Now we're going to make a beautiful sanctuary for Charles the tiger. It's going to look like the savannah. There's going to be sun and a beautiful rock, so you can lay down in the sun. There's going to be lots of lady tigers, part of your pride. And there's all kinds of yummy, delicious things to eat. And there's no predators. It's a beautiful, safe sanctuary. And there's there's a delivery every six hours from Gelson's with yummy, delicious, prime protein. Okay? So do you feel comfortable that Charles is safe and protected in his sanctuary? Go ahead. Yeah. Now in the middle of the sanctuary, Susan... Make a beautiful tree and see the ruts going deep down into the uh, ground. It's the tree of life and all who hold fast to it. And the tree goes up very, very high and the branches reach towards the sky. And give Charles a kiss right on the forehead and scratch him behind the ears and hear him purr. Make sure he's happy and content. And now you're able Climb the tree higher and higher, going up, 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 higher and higher, looking at the savanna down below you, higher and higher, and you are transcending fear and ego, going higher and higher till you're at the tip top of the tree, and there's a wonderful branch to sit down and relax, and now you're at the top of the tree, and there's someone there to meet you. It's your wise self. The part of you that transcends fear and ego, the wise self. What does the wise self look like, Susan?
0: The first thing I saw was, uh, weirdly, a man in a long beard, because why not? He's, you know, wise and old. He's wearing all white, and he had an elephant mask face, and he took the elephant mask face and set it down.
1: Yes, and what does his voice sound
0: like? Lilty.
1: Lilting. So take your wise self. And because in hypnosis, there's no social distancing. Embrace your wise self. He is the you that transcends fear and ego. He is the you who has perspective. He has the totality of every life you've ever lived in the past. And every life that you will live in the future when you see the next incarnation of humankind. And shrink him down till he's this big, teeny tiny, the size of a grain of rice, for those of you listening at home or in your car. And stick your wise self right between the conscious and subconscious mind. Now Susan, he has an infinite amount of resources, but he'll never talk to you. Unless you talk to him, he doesn't want to bother you. But when you ask why self, what should I do next? What is the wise choice? He has an infinite amount of resources and he will always give you the accurate answer. Your only job, no kidding, is to listen. And so put that grain of rice to wise self. Elephant mask, have him bring the elephant mask. It's very important. White, uh, lilting voice, white robes. And now... With your wise self right there implanted between the conscious and subconscious mind, you can climb back down the tree. And you can think about one time when you're dating a new guy, or you're trying to decide what to do with your podcast, or whether you should watch Netflix, or work on that screenplay, or do some marketing, or call your mom. And you stop. At that choice point, and you check in with YSelf, Let's see what he has to say. And can you make an intention to listen to Y-Self? Good. So climb down the tree, hand over hand, come into the sanctuary, and there's Charles waiting for you. He's so happy to see you. So call him over, give him a great big hug, scratch him behind the ears. But now you are the master And Charles is your companion, not the other way around. Mm. So you have your wise self that will always tell you what to do next, whenever you have a question. You have your fear and ego as your loyal companions. But the way that we are made by our creator, if you believe in that kind of thing, is the reason we stand up is we're supposed to lead with intellect, then with emotion, and then with action. And that was our little. I love that.
0: Our little metaphor imagery exercise. I love it. And my guy also speaks Arabic. He's not speaking English. At least I think it's Arabic, which is interesting. Maybe it's Aramaic. Maybe it's Aramaic. Who knows? I don't speak either. So, <laughs> but I understand what's being said. I love that. So, in your opinion, then, manifestation, the concept of manifestation is really self hypnosis.
1: The law of attraction is self-hypnosis. I can actually even prove it. You want me to prove it?
0: Sure.
1: (laughs) I mean, prove it, prove it. Okay, it seems the law of attraction, if you think about it, it will uh, manifest. Okay, that sounds a little airy-fairy for me, but is there science behind it? The answer is yes. Okay, ready? When you are in fear, you go right into the reptilian brain. All you know how to do is freeze, flee, or fight. That's it. Limited options. When you visualize the best possible outcome, you have to, to visualize the best possible outcome, you have to go to imagination. Imagination is in the frontal lobes where there are solutions. So merely by visualizing the best possible outcome, you come out of fight or flight, and then solutions that you couldn't see before because you were in fight or flight reveal themselves so it has nothing to do with magic all it has to do is coming out of fight or flight and being able to make wise choices wise choices to optimize the best possible outcome and I can show you something else that's really cool um, a lot of times I uh, you know I have some very very bright uh, students. And I say, okay, um, imagine the best possible outcome. So, uh, one of the students will always look at me and say, okay, the best possible outcome is I'm abducted by aliens from Alpha Centauri. They take me to their planet. They make me their queen. And that's how I solve the problem. Yeah. So show me the best possible outcome. I said, well, you're in imagination. Imagination is where we have problem solving. Now revisit your problem and you will see a solution that has nothing to do with Alpha Centauri that you didn't see before because you came out of fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And it works every time.
0: Lisa, tell people if they are interested. You, you mentioned, obviously, you're a teacher. You teach these skills to people so that they can, in turn, help others. How, where do you do that? How, do, how can people okay. find you? And- well,
1: all right. Well, I have a gift for every single one of your listeners. If you are having a hard time with the zombie apocalypse, with uncertainty, with anything in your life, um, since I teach at HMI College of Hypnotherapy, I have 50 interns who will see you for six sessions at absolutely no cost. They will teach you self-hypnosis. They will listen. They will be a witness to your story. They will be a companion on your journey. It is no cost at all. Wow, that's very kind. Thank you for that. That's for everybody. If you want to see a graduate of HMI College, um, for every single one who wants to see someone who's a little more seasoned, who's actually a graduate, has a diploma, or even an honors grad, that's seventy nine dollars to see a graduate if you want to see me for your listeners it's 99 <laughs> okay. All
0: right. So normally can just, one, people can one, reference one. hey human and then you'll know yeah
1: yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, you know what it used to be 160 it's now 100 because i don't have to put on pants uh because i'm doing everything via zoom so um you can reach me i answer my own phone so you can reach me um, on uh, my website. You can reach me up at HMI College. You can give me a call. I answered my own phone. Yeah. I did the Steve Harvey show. I answered my own phone. I gave everybody my phone number. Eleven million people. So um, I'm at three one zero. call me. I'll set you up with an intern, a graduate. You can always see me. You can reach me at HMI College of Hypnotherapy all over the world. We have a distance program. We have a, uh, um, everything is on Zoom now until everything opens up again. Um, And you can also reach me at my website, thehypnomom.com. Or on Facebook, which is public, and everybody can be my friend.
0: And I'm going to put all those links on heyhumanpockets.com. And also, uh, Rachel, one of your students, who I adore, uh, she and I are friends, she and I tomorrow are going to video uh, me doing a hypnotherapy session so that we can put that on on YouTube and people can see what it looks like.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. And I'm gonna advertise Hey Human on my website to all my followers. Thank you. I wanna thank
0: you so much for having me as a guest. It's my honor, Lisa. I appreciate you taking the time. I know your schedule is insane. Uh, I think it's this fascinating work. I'm a big believer in it personally. I've seen it work in my own life. And uh, so it's, it's fun to have you on and to dig in a little bit. Of course. And if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to give me a call uh, shoot me a text
1: and I'm very very available to not only you but each and every one of your listeners
0: on hey human thank you Lisa have a wonderful day thank you too bye Bye-bye. rate and review hey human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening bye